and welcome to another <laughs> welcome to another episode of Uncorked with T. I'm T, and ah, I got it right today. This is an Atara. <laughs> I always go like this. I got it right today because it's back. Yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> So, uh, Natara is the um, Director of Undergraduate Admissions and uh, Diversity Outreach at Eastern Nazarene College. She has over 10 years of students affairs, student affairs admissions experience with higher education system. Sis been putting work in, okay? And uh, her, her resume is just too long. Like, you know, check out the, the promo. Her resume <laughs> is crazy long. Crazy, crazy long. What's up, homie? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for I'm, having me. <laughs> oh my God, thank you for being here. Stop. <laughs> so I wanted to start off with um, a kind of fun, funny question because I was like, I don't know, a month old, a month from, wait, wait, how do you say today years old, but past tense? Like I was last month years old. <laughs> I gotta stop drinking. So I was last month years old. <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> so how old were you when you found out that the five heartbeats were not a real group? Oh, I grew up on five heartbeats. So I knew that probably since like I was nine or 10. Uh, my, my parents, yeah, we watched the heartbeats consistently and faithfully in my house. So oh, girl and like, yeah. yeah, we would sing that song all the time. So I thought it was like the Temptations. Like I thought it was like a biopic and I was like, oh, I can't wait to listen to it. Leave me alone, man. <laughs> I'm only judging a little bit. That's all right. I earned it. It's a gift. But like, that was a wee little thing when I found that out. Yeah, wee, little <laughs> wee little thing. So um, let's see. So you do a lot of projects and you've done a lot of things um, in your career. What has been your favorite project program, project slash program? Wow, um, that's a great question. I think one of my favorite programs has been, um, I guess, where it started. Um, so my love for kind of mentoring programs for underrepresented and underserved youth really happened when I was at Bridgewater State University with our LinkedIn program. Um, and LinkedIn was, uh, I mean, our um, links program. So it was linking individuals to networks, knowledge and scholarship. It was called links. And uh, we took our first year students and we paired them up with upper class mentors. And it was all underrepresented, underserved students of color. And it was just this great opportunity because they were all doing it pro bono. They all just wanted to give back and, you know, have students have the same opportunity or better than they did. So I think that was my first love, my first passion of like, oh, wow, like these mentoring programs, these, you know, opportunities that are provided and hand down and students want to help students and people of color come together to, you know, support and uplift one another. Um, right. So that's probably one of my favorite ones. Yeah. That's where it started. I have others that I love, but that I have to go to the core. I have to go to the root of where the foundation was and that's it. Yeah. Damn, that's cool as hell. That's the, you know what, that's the question I should have asked you like before when I was, it's cool. It's cool. We're going to get this. So for those of you who don't know, like I'm working on being a better podcaster, right? Shut up. I'm a work in progress. Mind your business. So, <laughs> so my question to Natara was like, well, my statement was I should send questions over ahead of time. So you have a chance to think about it. I didn't do that, but I thought about doing it. And that's, that's step one. Is that Thought is half the battle, right? They say knowing is half the battle. Maybe thinking it is also half the battle. So maybe I'm halfway there. You're I'm going to get it together. You're halfway there. I'm halfway there. We'll get you there. Thank you. Avocados. Avocados. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have been, I don't want to skip one because I'm going to lose my place real quick. Oh, okay. <gasps> You're going to be the keynote speaker at Pets. Yes. Oh, I said it right. You did. Yo, your mom's going to be so proud that I said pets. Right. The bar is you're, so well, You're a Rotarian, so you should probably say it right. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I, should, yeah. I wrote it down just like that. Yo, first of all, the bar is so low, sir. <laughs> you're consistent, T. That's all I'll say. You're consistent. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> So uh, you will be the keynote speaker at this year's Pets of, I know what it means, the President's 
President. <laughs> I swear I've only had a half a glass of wine. Okay, the President's Elect Training Seminar for Rotary. Uh, you're mm -hmm. gonna be the keynote speaker. Are you excited? And um, what are you gonna talk about other than being like a boss? Yeah, well, you know, um, that was, it was actually like last week, I just did it. So super excited, um, that. excited about that. And um, I essentially was talking a little bit about kind of rising to the challenge of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, put together kind of a program to talk through with them a little bit about equity, um, what it means to have the word diversity and how that's an umbrella term um, and the difference in inclusion and equity. And so I talked, I started out kind of even talking about like apple pie. And I was like, how many people in the room like pie? And everyone's like, I like pie. And I was like, well, how many like to share pie, right? And everyone's like, oh. right. So I'm like, well, you know, the importance of like equity and inclusion, right? Equity is like everyone gets a piece of the pie it doesn't mean it's the same size but everyone gets some of the pie right and inclusion is being able to ask somebody to come and eat it with you right and being able to be in that space to be able to show that like folks need seats at the table but like they also need to be included in the conversation so giving them a chair isn't enough right having their voices heard making sure that the room looks differently than you that thoughts and ideas are different than you um so we talked a lot about that and um we talked about you know, the difference between impact and intent and how it really doesn't matter whether you intended to do something, how the impact that you have on somebody or how that makes them feel is really what matters and what you do to move forward from that space matters. So um, we talked about privilege. It was a great conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff. Um, heard some great follow-up from folks, you know, asking questions and wanting me to be involved in other areas. So it was great feedback, but I think I think they're going to take it to their perspective, perspective groups and, and do some good stuff with it. So it was nice. Yeah. I hope so. You see that, Kathy? I asked about Rotary. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> because I have like I have separation anxiety, and, and I miss I miss Kathy, and I just want her to be proud. <clears throat> this interview has nothing to do with that. Um, <laughs> Shout out to mom. <laughs> Lord. Uh, you have over ten years' experience. Um, Oh, you have over 10 years of student affairs experience. Um, I've seen you interact with your students and they really like and respect you. Um, what skill is it that you possess that makes students um, really like and trust you? It's a great question. Um, do you mean outside of being dope? Because that's like- I mean, well, I mean, that's a given. Like, <laughs> like, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, no, I think, um, uh, you know, my ability to woo, I'm very persuasive, but I'm also open. I think so when you meet students where you are, um, where they are rather, and you kind of recognize, you know, that they're, they're really just people and they just want to get to know people and they want people to listen and to hear them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that creates an instant bond where like they understand that you're, you know, you're there for them, uh, that you're there to support them. So I think, you know, if I was to be really open, I think, um, just having an open personality and being able to have listening ears and be encouraging. Um, I've always kind of been the person that can kind of tell you what you need to know, but also uplift you in that same space. So like I, I have students who I've sat down and I'm like this, you, let's get it together. Right. But in the same breath, know that they can do more and do better and empower them to do that. Um, and so I think when you just like lay in and really just have their best interests and support them wholeheartedly, I think it just creates a natural bond. Um, I think far too often we're so worried about pleasing students that we don't get to know them authentically and tell them what they really need to hear. And I think that actually does the opposite. I think it strains the relationship because they don't really know, like, I trust you, can I come to you, can I engage? So I think they're looking for that, like that mentorship person who can also like come with the comedy, be silly, you know, listen and engage and, and, and try to meet them in the middle. So I think I try to, that's how I try to balance those conversations. I'm gonna tell you like it is, but I also am gonna be your biggest fan. Um, it's the way I parent too. So I guess it, it's twofold. <laughs> so like, where'd you, where'd you learn that? How do you, how did you acquire that skill? Yeah. Um, I'd have to say it probably came from home. Um, you know, my mom and my dad were very much those people who like supported and really encouraged my brothers and I and my brother and I to really do what we wanted. You know, like um, they they supported our dreams and our wishes. You know, at one point, you know, I wanted to be a singer and I wanted to be an actress and then I was going to be, you know, in track and then I was going to be, you know, in this or in that and, you know, pursue all these different dreams. And there was never a time where my mom was like, no that doesn't make sense don't do that mm -hmm. um it was always kind of that conversation of like what do you want to do how do we want to get there um mm -hmm. so 
I think I've always just had a supportive environment and, you know, my brother always comes with the comic relief. So I think he's probably uh-huh. older than me, heard a lot of, you know, with him in that space too. So I think it was really family. And then once I grew into kind of teenage, late teenage years, it was more around role modeling and surrounding myself mm-hmm. with people who I wanted to mirror image. Um, and I think that that was definitely a big part of it too. Yes. Okay. Listening ears. I think that is so important. Like, um, you know, that old adage, God gave us, you know, two ears and one mouth so we can listen more. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's so important. And then you said at one point you wanted to run track and like, I heard that. And then immediately, like I got sad, you know, because running makes me sad when I think about it, like, like my legs pumping, Mm -hmm. unless like I'm physically running from death, like someone is chasing me like uh, wielding some kind of weapon, um, I'm, I'm not running. It yeah. makes sense that. And that's- yes, Yeah, that's, you know, I, I actually enjoyed it. It was like fun running. I don't, wait, what? What'd you say? I, fun and running, same sentence. You put them together, fun running. <laughs> oh my God. It's like saying like banana and like bank robbery. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like what? <laughs> I promise they go together. I promise. They go together. Okay. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe but you. I was a sprinter. Don't send me on no mile jogs or anything like that. Like I was, I was really, I was, I was good for the two, the 150 odd dash, you know, mm-hmm. but, but that was, that was, that's where I, that's where I, that's where I stood, stood in my lane, stood in my lane. See? And that's it. Out the gate and run out steep. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's how you do it. I actually used to run cross country in high school, but like for all the wrong reasons, there was a pretty girl. And I was just like, I run track. Like I run cross country. I don't. I mother loving don't. <laughs> you, were ch- you were chasing all the chasing I was. Cross country. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I used to dress very um, like masculine presenting. So my coach the first day was like, boys over there. And I was just like, Excuse you. I'm a girl. Lady! <laughs> How dare you misrepresent my gender. Right? <laughs> um, what would you... Oh, I got a good question for you. What um, professional advice would you give your 21-year-old self? It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. one thing. Be like a couple things. Like, What would you tell yourself uh, at 21 to do to be successful? Don't lead with emotion. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I think my younger self and even sometimes as like I have trailed into later in my career, I tend to kind of internalize things. And I've always wondered, you know, is it is it me? Am I doing the right thing? Am I asking the right questions? Um, and then when things, you know, didn't go my way, like I'd be like, well, this is what we really need to do. Like, why aren't we just doing that? Like, this is what, you know, is needed. And didn't always see the big picture, didn't always see the, the decision making of people in different positions of power or, you know, why they were making the moves that they were making. Um, And then I also think that emotion led into triggering of like being a woman, being a woman of color, being, you know, in different positions, trying to figure out and navigate what it meant. Um, Working for other women of color and wanting us to be in support of one another and not knowing if that was always going to be the case. And then wanting people with privilege to be able to hire more people of color so that people of color who were women didn't feel like they were always competing for the same position. Putting up, up, putting us up against one another. So like we were battling each other, and then people in the culture are blaming each other for battling each other, and yet we weren't looking at the greater scheme picture of like if people in if people with privilege and higher positions of power who are not of color were hiring more of us to do different types of roles, then we wouldn't be competing for the same ones. Hmm. So I think you know leading with that emotion oftentimes was like, hmm, okay, let me figure that out. Um, so I think I've I've learned to balance that a little more, and 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 I'm very pointed in my responses, very careful at how I respond, um, and have learned, you know, the the gift of persuasion in woo, which takes a lot of a lot of work and a lot of self reflection. Ooh, self reflection. First of all, you should write a book because that was such like back to back good information. Like you should just just put that like in your brain, in the back of your brain, like just. Uh, a um, book of like helpful tips from the Tara. I need, th- I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to sell it on Amazon and get rich fast. Absolutely. You should. You should. <laughs> we, we should. <clears throat> we should. You're right. Yeah. I'll share. Maybe. Sharing is caring. I'll buy you an avocado. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, 
<laughs> Avocado. So I live in, um, I'm in Columbus, Georgia. And Columbus is a very nice city. Um, it's also a wee bit dangerous. Uh, we've had like 20, 22 uh, murders since January. Uh, listen, your city's a little messed up too, all right? Don't be coming at me like that. So, <laughs> so I don't, we don't really go out at night, stuff like that. I'm not made, I'm not, not part of that life, bro. I like avocados, okay? Um, I just, I wanna sit and talk about feelings. So I'm gonna stay my ass in the house. Safest place for me. Stay home and eat out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Will just watching. What's up, Will? Uh, now you say what's up. I ain't talked to your ass and you know what? It's cool. Call me. Uh, <laughs> right? Last time I saw him, I think it was, wasn't at his wedding, right? I saw him before that. Do you remember his wedding? Yeah, I, I was there. I mean, you were there. I remember that. Yeah, you had on a hat. I did. Yeah, it was a cool hat. I also had on a dress. Like, I had clothes on, too, but I did have on a hat. <laughs> no. It was also a dress for the wedding. Right. <laughs> also had on clothes. <laughs> you wore a hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, finish your sentences. You wore a hat yeah, and clothes. And clothing. And clothing. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. I will stay safe um, in the house. With her uh, avocado. Hmm? With your avocado. With my avocados, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not built for that. I'm not. No. If, if we could just sit down and talk about it, maybe we could move forward. And it's gonna stay in the house. There we go. I second that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you have two beautiful children, and I think you've been married for like 15 plus years. I have no idea how long you've been married. How long have you been married? <laughs> 14 years now oh, so we've been together a lot longer yeah so i think that i think personally that makes you an expert because um an expert is someone <laughs> if you read seven or more books on a topic that makes you technically an expert but you have lived 15 plus years and said uh things so i think that makes you an expert okay i'll take that yeah, don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> In the eyes of T, I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, in your expert advice, <laughs> what do you think makes a relationship strong? Hmm. Communication. Right? Um, yes. Communication is so important. Um, mm -hmm. The understanding that like you're two different people. I think oftentimes people use that whole like you know, we're two people and we have to become one. I think they take one too literally. Um, you still are bringing who you are authentically and who that person is authentically into a union. And the union is what is one, right? Um, so I think oftentimes people come in with the expectation that like, well, you should do this or you should do that. But you knew who that person was when you married them. Like they didn't, they didn't just wake up one morning and essentially change their entire being. Um, you are numb to things that you know, you all don't want to see because you're in love, like you care, right? So like you start to not think about those things. I don't want to see that flaw. I don't want to deal with that flaw. Mm -hmm. The reality is we're all flawed people. And so unconditional love and the ability to love somebody for who they are, um, flaws and all is so important. So like that piece of it's important. Communication is important. The other thing is like, this, this is work. Like people forget that this is a full-time job. Like you work 40 hours a week and then you have to work full-time at your marriage or your relationship. And people forget that. And I think that that is so important. And like my suggestion to anyone who ever asked me about relationship is like, it's not, if you're looking for that, like grass is greener, if you're looking for that perfection, if you're, that's not happiness, that's not true love, that's a facade. You're living in a false reality um, because that's never gonna be the case all the time. Um, so, you know, the other thing that I always tell people is like, nobody wants half of you. That whole like a relationship is 50, 50 thing. Like, don't give me half of you. Like it's a hundred, a hundred. Like you need right? to give yourself and they need to give all of themselves and y'all make 200%. Um, but that 50, 50 stuff that doesn't work. So I think, you know, that's, those are my suggestions. Like, you know, you have to find balance. Like, you can't have one person kind of be 
um, all of everything. So you've got to find that that balance. Like what, you know, when is it, when are times that you need to walk away from something? When are things that you need to celebrate something? What is your love language and what is mine? Um, and being able to like teeter between that. Like I need to love you in the language that I know. And then I need to love you in the language in which you respond to. And those are things that are important too. And people don't always realize that. Like we naturally love in the language that feels natural for us, the comfort, right? But real love is stepping out of your comfort level and out of that zone to love that person the way they need to be loved. And that means learning two different love languages and, and not everybody is, is built to be able to do that. Dude, <laughs> that was so good. You are totally an expert. I called it. Yay. Called it. <laughs> Go marriage. <laughs> go marriage. Uh, I'm a pass on it, but go you. Hashtag hard. That's that's what they. It's hot. It's supposed to be hard. So, right, which is why like you just run. If you find someone that's like, this is gonna be a cakewalk. Run, run. No, oh, don't don't hold. Run. Okay, no, that explains a lot about my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. I've been to therapy, y'all. Don't I worry. Laugh because I know all of them. Exactly. <laughs> I was just like, I'll hold on to this. This totally makes sense. Exactly. Hold on tight. Don't worry. You should have me about 10 years ago. Right? No, I got this. Everything's fine. I didn't write my book. I should have written it. Why didn't you write it 10 years ago? And I was not. I know. I wasn't really helpful Because I'm over here like the house is on fire, but I'm good. We're good. It's fine. That doesn't like, hurt at all. This little area in the corner still has air. Right? So I'll just stand here. This makes total sense. <laughs> so <laughs> staying on the topic of love um what action feels like love to you because like breakfast and coffee feels like love to me yeah that's a good question um i'm i'm honestly like a, a words of affirmation like physical touch so like action for me is like like a hug or like a random like my husband will go and get me like tea like my Starbucks tea and it's over the bridge. So like, it's like, you gotta actually like make, you have to make Plan. real like commitment to go over the bridge. Um, so, you know, I think like things like that say like love to me, like actions like that, like the, the quick hug or like, you know, the goofiness or, you know, um, I, I think those are things that like, show me that you care, show me that you love. Um, me, we never hang up the phone without saying I love you, like things like that. Like, all right, love you, bye, type of thing. Um, so that's that's an action. Those are some actions of love, yeah. So um, have you seen the, um, years ago, uh, Kings of Comedy that, um, okay. So this is a long-winded question, stay with me. So in the Kings of Comedy. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> Let's do this. So uh, one of D.L. Hughley's um, jokes was um, him. No. So Chris Rock. <laughs> this is why I can't. This is why. <laughs> so Chris Rock has this joke. And it's um, about a couple being together for so long that you've heard all each other's stories, right? Like, do you remember the time? Yes, I remember the time. Why don't you get kidnapped? Has some new shit happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> so as a married person, uh, being married for 14 years and together for longer, what is it that you do to keep things exciting, seeing that you probably know everything about each other? Um, what is there else to talk about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I, think, I think if you really are in a relationship the way in which you it's supposed to be and designed to be, you don't actually always hear every story. And you also support the ones that you've already heard a million times. Um, so like, I like, we'll be in public and like, I'll share a story or like, he'll share a story and he'll be like, oh, here we go again, heard this one 16 times, but like, he still lets me tell it, right? And it's like the same thing with me. Like, I just sit there like, a, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, like you've never heard it, but you heard it 16 times. Um, so I think the other ways are like, you know, just being goofy. Like we we laugh a lot, like we joke a lot. We bring the kids into the mix and be, you know, silly. We do silly. We have a we have a family handshake. Like we do like a whole like handshake thing and all of us know it. So like we'll like dap each other up and stuff like that. That's so um, yeah. So I think like that's that's 
you just you have to be creative like you know there but I feel like there are things I still learn about my husband like from time to time like a story that he'll come out of the woodwork with that I didn't know about before in his childhood or you know my parents are downstairs or my brother comes up and he's like oh I remember when you would do that and it's like oh I didn't know you did that so I feel like if you're really committed to the process it's kind of an ever learning situation like I don't really honestly can't say I know everything about him I think I still learn things from his family members, from his closest friends, from his cousins. Um, you know, when they get together, the dynamic switches. So like you can tell when they're like, you know, when you're with your best friend versus when your cousin or when you're hanging out with, you know, your your wife or whatever. So like when he's with his family and I'm like watching the dynamic, I'm like, oh, didn't know that. Okay, saw that come out. So I think that's, you know, some of it, but we're we're a silly bunch. Like we we tell a whole lot of jokes. We goof around a lot, you know, we, we vacation together because that's important to us. Um, so we, we try to do things just to keep it, you know, new and fresh and, and exciting, but like, don't get us wrong. We, we be in this house, just hanging out, chilling, doing nothing. Sometimes we, we switch rooms cause we don't always watch the same TV shows. Like I'm in the bedroom watching TV, he out couch watching TV. Like, you know, we, we, we give it that space and that divide too, where it's like, we come together as a unit, but you're going to go do your thing and I'm going to go do my thing and we're going to come back together and be us. Nice. Uh, speaking of children, how does it feel to be the parent of a teenager? How's <clears throat> you said he was gonna watch your language? I'm just sure. <laughs> um, clearly, you have not <laughs> held your end of the bargain. Um, <laughs> I feel a lot of things. I feel um, sad hmm. um, because I feel like you're like, wow, like you're growing up, like you're becoming your own man, like when his voice starts to drop, like, I was like, where, where did that tone come from? Uh-huh. Like, la- like three weeks ago, it was like, mommy. And then it's like, hey, mommy. You, you, I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Um, <laughs> I'm like, who, who are you? What did you do with my son? Mm. Um, you know, I think it, it's, it's different, right? Like the, you know, he's still super like snuggly and like wants to hang out, but at the same time, it's like, mom, hang with my friends type of thing. Right. So I think I feel a lot of things. I feel like excited because he's such a great kid, right? We're talking about a straight A plus student, like, you know, recruited for AAU, like, you know, doing all types of awesome stuff. Um, but at the same time, there's like this like pain that comes with like the idea that he's aging, but that that also ages me, right? So like, I'm like, oh, you're 13. That makes me um, carry the one divided by two. Um, so I think like that's part of the struggle too, is like you realize that like you're getting older and you're, you know, so I, I think I think it's it's hard. I'm excited for him and for his journey, but like the idea of having no more babies, it, that's tough. Like that's tough. That's tough. So, um, are you like a, a soccer mom, and have you attacked any children on the field for coming at your baby? Oh snap! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I am, I, I'm the I'm the soccer, basketball, baseball mom. Um, Dang. Yeah, we play a little bit of everything in the South. Um, more so basketball is my strong. So I played soccer. So watching soccer, I'm a little animated, but I refuse to coach it because of that. That's the one sport that I'm like, now I'm good. I'm going to let you do your thing. Um, and my husband played baseball his life. So he's very like on the baseball field calling all the stuff. Right. Um, and so basketball is really like my that's my like don't mess with my baby zone. Um, and I coach basketball, too. I coach both their teams. So they'll tell you there's a difference. I'm loud. I yell. Good for you. I'm like the loudest. I'm definitely one of the loudest moms, which is really a throw off because most of the people who coach are like males in that league. So like I come in and I'm like this five foot nothing, right? Like here I come and they're like, oh, hi coach. And I'm like, hey, how are you? How's everything going? How's everybody today? Like super upbeat and chipper. And then I get on the corner. I'm like, get out. What are you doing? Come on. Ah, that right. So I'm like, <laughs> I, go a little, I go a little hard. So yeah, I am. I, um, experienced that too we had one incident where um we were playing a rec team and one of the one of the coaches was like doing a little bit of dirty stuff and he like decided he was gonna call timeout so he could put in his new strongest kids or whatever against my team so they could try to win um and they ended up like pig piling on Jaden and I kind of had a moment and I reacted and the ref like came over and stopped the whole game like he was like enough out of you and I was like well call something then listen this kid's gonna crush his hands all right (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I would say you know I'm a loud one, and I, I'm a mama bear. Don't mess with my cubs. <laughs> See, as you should be. Yo, Kathy said tears. He's such a great kid, and oh yeah. Uh, so 
you're the coach, so we already know. It's a, <clears throat> uh, I bet, a wonderful uh, delight. Yeah. Yep. I love it. I love it, though. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love coaching. I love being out there with them. Um, I, don't, I don't love that they're growing up, but par for the course. My mom didn't like that I was growing up either, and here I am. So I guess we all eventually swallow that pill. <laughs> it worked, though. Like, you know, you're great. Your mom's great. Your kids are great. Right? I'm not half bad after coming up after my mom. That's a tough act to follow. So I Just mean, I'm not, I am not half bad. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's a, it's a high. Bar. It's a high bar to read. High bar. You said that bar real high. Yeah, and still raising it, which is yes, insane. Exactly. exactly. Uh huh. Weird. Uh. <laughs> ooh. So you have been in um the world of. I guess what I want to call it, um, hmm. student affairs. I'll call it that. You've been in the world of, of student affairs. What is it about that part of working with students that made you feel fulfilled? And who was the first person to encourage you um, in that field of teaching, learning, shit? <laughs> 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 and I miss, I done forgot the first part of the question. <laughs> Messed it up. Oh Lord. Um, no, uh, I think what drives me in what is is how I, I think or view success um is really like graduation rates. Like I'm not gonna lie, like the, the fact that like you can be a part of a journey. Um, and encourage students to believe in themselves and to encourage them to cross that stage, like to finish, no matter how long it takes. Um, I think that's really what filled or started my passion for higher education, like this desire to be able to create opportunity for underrepresented, underserved students and provide access um, and help them through their journey to be able to get to what for them sometimes feels impossible um, I think is what really motivated me in that space. I just feel like it's not always there for them, right? And you think through all the intersectionality and all the barriers and marginalizations that exist and, you know, first generation and, you know, student color, low income, like all the things and, and parameters and, and, and barriers that some students have to cross. And that day is literally just about them, like the joy that is on their faces and their families' faces and, as they cross that stage is kind of like a pivotal moment in, in, in life. And I would, you know, hundred times, like just every, every commencement, like I'm, I'm down to be at every single one. Like I want to see your face. I want to see your family. I want to see your excitement. So I think that's really what drives me is just being able to get them to their ultimate goal. And then on the other part of who influenced me, Oh Lord. Um, my mom, I mean, <laughs> I, she never officially told us we had to go into higher education, but I think just watching her and the work that she did and how passionate she was about her students and, and being invested in like multicultural affairs and diversity um, efforts, I think to me just kind of caught on. Um, and so there are many people who came alongside me and I've, I've kind of seen and watched and, and, and learned from, but I think, you know, I've been, I was following my mom as a little teeny bot around Cape Cod Community <laughs> College, uh, you know, back when typewriters were a thing. Sorry, Ma, I know I just aged you a little bit, but, um, and typing on her, like typing on her little typewriter and stuff inside the office. So like, I, I've been surrounded by a higher education space all my life. So it just, it felt right. Damn, word. Um, oh yeah, I asked you about the five heartbeats. <clears throat> Uh, I was last I'm month years so old. Judging. So judging. <laughs> Didn't know they were a real group. No idea. <clears throat> I thought it was like the Temptations. I thought it was like a biopic. The Temptations forgive you. <laughs> the five heartbeats don't because they're not real. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. You know, I was thinking about the other day. Do you remember that um, Robert Townsend movie, um, Meteor Man? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Listen, we need to have like a Meteor Man conversation because that movie was so pivotal, but also just ridiculous. Just read, it was redonkulous. Yo, please go watch that movie. Like, that, like after this, like stay here for this. But after that, go watch that. I was like, click. Right? Oh, okay, cool. 
such a great movie. Like it was so pivotal to see like a, a strong black lead doing something positive, you know, and in, in movies that he funded himself, but also the storyline was just Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. If I oh, oh, that's such a great question. Um, if you were given a um a superpower, you could pick whatever superpower you want. Um, I'm gonna ask that first and then I'll ask the second question. So if you could pick any superpower um you wanted, what would you pick? This is gonna sound awful because I know that there's a reason why all of this happens, but I would honestly probably choose the power of bringing back our loved ones. Like I, I wanna go back and bring back people who I've lost. Um, I've, I've gone through some serious hardships in the last several years and I've lost some people who really mean so much to me. And I think my superpower would be able to just, just one more time, just hug them, just tell them I love them, you know, maybe say the things that you, you couldn't have said at that time. So I know it's like super like, right heartbreaking but like when I do some of those things it's like I I don't know I'd rather do that than fly I'd rather do that than have eyes in the back of my head I think I'd just rather have that moment like that last kind of like that day let's come on let's all come back through yeah and hang out so I I think that would probably be my my superpower the ability to bring back those we we miss the most that is really cool um I might be a heartless jerk you're like, I wish there were more avocados. <laughs> Just give me all the avocados. Creating an endless pit of avocados. I mean, you're over here like, yes, I would bring back my family and the people I've lost. And that is such an important like sentiment, not just that, like an important thing to do like that. Yes. If you had the power to do anything, yes, do that. And I'm over here like, I'd be invisible so I could move shit and people be losing their mind. Like. <laughs> We're so different. Close second, though. Close second. <laughs> I would just mess with people all day. Uh, what's up, Brittany? She said, um, I would want to fly and be able to create, manipulate energy. Yo, yes. If yes. I could fly. Buddy. The world would be over if you could fly. Too. That's, if I, I don't think I could give you that superhero. I would, honestly, I would just hover, like, near people's windows. Like, you going to let me in or what? You're going to be cool. talking. That's okay. the other thing, like the, the 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 funny thing, right? If I was to choose like a silly funny thing, I'd probably want to be a fly on the wall. Like, you know, like to hear like the conversations that happen without you being in the space of the room. Like I'd like to hear well, what you say about me when I'm not around. Like I really want to know. <laughs> like, I already I, know. She's I love you so much. And then you walk out the door and they're like, oh, I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want to be that fly. I don't know what you really say. <laughs> mm. I would be that fly if like right after I can turn into like a human, like humanoid fly <laughs> and just be like, well, no, huh? You're not confrontational at all. So. No. <laughs> Grab my chair. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's have a conversation about how you're really feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how about that? Fly on the wall no more, right? <laughs> fly head, regular legs. What's up? <laughs> like the man in the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second part of that question, you already answered, because my question was going to be, um, what would you do with that superpower? But you answered. Um, you would bring, you would have the ability to bring your family back, and then you would bring them back. Um, Brittany said that image is frightening. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Cause uh, yeah, uh, a fly head and human legs is um, it's just all the time, you know. My brain is just it's just all the time. Like it seems funny in the moment, but it's just all the time. It doesn't turn off. Does it? You have a very busy brain. I'll second that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you watch Marvel Marvel movies? Have you seen the the last big ones? I don't have much of a choice. I have a thirteen year old boy, so. Yes, well, you are. Yes. Much, much Marvel happening in my house. So. Mm -hmm. All right, spoiler alert's coming. So if you haven't seen um, Avengers Endgame, maybe pause it, come back. We'll talk later about it, all right? Pause it, come back in like 45 seconds, okay? Okay, so in the Avengers Endgame, spoiler alert, I have to say it twice. Don't be coming at me. I said it twice. So at the end, uh, we all know that Iron Man... Yeah, 
is a uh, Iron Man's no more. <laughs> do you think that? Do you think it was important for him to leave in order for the story to progress, or could we have like had? Can we continue with? <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Okay, so if we. <laughs> There goes that brain again. <laughs> so if we were to compare um, the Avengers to our current um, society, the breakdown of our society with, um, I almost call it Legolos. Um, what is his name? Um, super bad dude. Um, I don't know, forehead too big, that dude. <laughs> his forehead is crazy, son. His forehead is nuts. <laughs> So that dude, right? Let's say that he is kind of like the um, uh, the projection of uh, racism in America. Mm -hmm. And Captain America, obviously, is America. Um, would you say that Iron Man is kind of like um, the voice of the future and that voice died? Like, are we doomed is the question. Jeepers, creepers. I know. <laughs> for Friday night. Goodness gracious, Steve. It's just how it works. I'm just lying for that question. <laughs> um, you know, I. Wow. Um, I don't think we're doomed. I, I think. I think we are in a movement, and I think that we are fighting similar fights that people have fought for centuries, right? For years, decades. Um, I think we're doing it differently. Um, I think we are, we are progressing. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it, I don't know that it'll ever be solved. So that's not what I mean. Um, I don't know how many generations will have to fight, keep fighting, keep fighting. My kids will fight. My kids' kids will probably fight. Um, their fights and battles may look different. Um, but I don't know that I believe we're doomed. I don't think we're, I don't think we're an end all. I don't think we're gonna vanish like Iron Man did. Um, I think we are the Iron Man before he vanishes that kept fighting through war wounds, right? Um, and kept finding a new armor to put back on, right? Creating new suits, right? The Spider-Man who comes back with all these different like, you know, like this one got torn, so I need a new one. This one get torn, then I get a new one. Right. So I think, I think we are the people built on armor that continues to get broken, but we find new ways to put new armor on. Um, and I think that the only way that we could banish is if we were to give up and we're not a people that give up. Listen, okay, first of all, your navigation to that question was crazy because that question was trash. Um, I'm gonna work on that question and make it better for next week, but that question was trash. But you navigated the hell out of it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I got you. <laughs> I'm over here throwing rompers and you kicking them out the fucking park. You kicked them. Doesn't matter. <laughs> That was like running and bank robbery. I don't know what that is. Right? <laughs> like bananas and bank robbery. It just doesn't. Bananas and bank robbery. Oh, I don't um, oh, I have a question for you. So you have been in the uh, professional, in a professional kind of um, environment for a long time. So you have to deal with professionals and, you know, other people. Um, yeah. So how do you clap back professionally? So if you're at work and uh, let's say Sean is getting a little bit too comfortable uh, with your blackness, how do you clap back at Sean? How do you put Sean back in his bit? Nope. How do you tell Sean to calm the F down? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I've experienced that very often in my life. Um, believe it or not, my friends, for anyone who watches Scandal, um, my friends will tell you that I am Olivia Pope. And when I talk to people, they tell people that I'm poping people. That's like, yes. their like she just poked you. Um, and I think what I have learned over time is that I actually get nowhere with giving them what they expect of me. So I always tell people, don't give them what they expect of you. And what they expect of me as a woman of color can often be loud and aggressive and um, you know that kind of that kind of reaction. So 
the way that I've always kind of got people to understand where I was coming from is I would smile a lot and it makes people very frustrated. So like they would say things and I'd be like, I hear what you're saying, but still, right? And I would like do these types of things where I'm like, yes, absolutely. But this is kind of what we need to do. And here's why that's not working. Um, and I would use a lot of I statements. I do that a lot. So I'll be like, so what I heard you say was, because I just want to make sure I get this right. Like what I heard you say was, um, or is this what, so is this what I, is this what I, like I, I heard you say, like, is that what you, is that what was meant by this particular comment? Um, so I think I've, I've, I've really tended to be able to meet people at a level. Um, I don't tend to raise my voice despite how angry I am. Um, people get defensive that way. So I've very much learned that defensiveness comes with what I call turtle shelving. Um, so when you, when people get defensive because you're like, hey, don't talk to me like that, da, 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 all of a sudden they feel like they need to have a guard up and now they have to defend themselves against their own like ignorant and rude comments. Right. Um, and so they start to kind of come out at you and they're aggressive and they're like, ah, nah, nah, and it's because they're defensive. Um, and so I tend to like want people not to turtle shell because I, you're going to hear me and you can't hear me if you're in a shell. So like you need to hear that what you said and what you did wasn't right, that it's not going to be tolerated, but you need to listen and you need to hear and then you need to process and you need to change that behavior. And the only way that I'm going to get you to do that is if I just, if I come in who I am. I never, I always tell people I never work at or do things that compromise my integrity. So if I, for any reason, have to come out of my character to get you to be where you need to be, I struggle with that. So I very much always maintain who I am. I never get lost in the shuffle of the aggression and the rudeness and the disrespect, um, no matter how frustrated it makes me. Now that doesn't mean that I don't walk away and go into my office with tears or you know, call somebody, you won't believe what da 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 da, right? Um, or, you know, or punch a couple pillows or, you know, Zumba or stress, right? Um, stress, yell, whatever it may be. But I never let them see what they think. I never let them um, believe that I'm giving them what they already think of me. So I think my clapback is a little different than a lot of people's. I think a lot of people automatically like kind of come out and they're going to tell you exactly what it is and you're not going to. I I think that I reach more people and then build a level of respect to get them to listen to me the next time we're at the table when I'm able to consistently be myself. And usually by the time I'm done explaining what I'm saying and the level and tone in which I'm doing it, people don't even realize that I've just told them off. So. Um, love, love scandal, love, love, love scandal. Um, I really love that ideal, you know, that, that way of, of teaching while putting people like back in their place. How difficult was it for you to like learn how to do that without strangling people, um, in broad daylight? Incredibly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, your first few instances, that's, you know, the comment that we talked about earlier with like, how did you get there? That's growth. Like if I could talk, you know, talk to your 21 year old self, what would you do? Emotion, right? Like that all took time and work. It took a lot of self-reflecting and energy and saying, what is your end goal? Because ultimately, generally speaking, professionally, my end goal isn't just about me. And that's something that I had to realize. My end goal was not just me. It was what do my students need? What is the, you know, what is this, what does this person need? What is the family need? What is higher education need? Mm -hmm. um, what are folks within the diversity, equity, and inclusion space need? So my admissions work and my student affairs work and my diversity, equity, inclusion work have always been focused on such a bigger picture and so much more than just me. And so I think that's what I needed to do was say, Natara, you have an end goal here. How do you get to that end goal and not sacrifice who you are or compromise your integrity? And that is where I was able to find that middle ground where I was like, I can get you where I want you. And I can get you to do what I know that you know is right to do. Mm -hmm. I play at your level and mine. Buddy, buddy, buddy. Um, like I said, work on that book. Okay. You, that is such, I mean, just learning that idea, like growth. Yes. Because I think for the longest time, we assume that growth will just absolutely just happen because we're getting older. But it's a thing you have to work on constantly and consistently. So what there are 50-year-old children in this world? So <laughs> Say it again. There are 50-year-old children in this world. So age don't always mean everything. Nothing. Nothing at all. 
um, as you are like um, learning and growing um, in these professional spaces, um, is there a, a book or a seminar or a conversation that has helped you to grow um, in these spaces? Yeah, um, the first thing that comes to mind is Kenji Yoshino's book on covering. Mm -hmm. um, that book talks a lot about what it is like as a person of color coming into professional spaces and wanting to have professional positions of power mm -hmm. and how challenging it can be to find who you are without feeling like you have to code switch. Wow. Um, and that is a powerful book for me. It talks a lot about coming into a room and sometimes, you know, the males who are dominant, who are, you know, self-identified, um, you know, gendered males um, who are white and privileged would come in with like, you know, their legs crossed down near the bottom and feeling real relaxed, you know, and then the people who in the room felt like they needed to be on, on all the time. So they'd come in and they'd be all, you know, everything's all ready and set. And, you know, what do we say? What do we do? Don't say the wrong thing. Don't think the wrong thing. Don't do the wrong thing. And it tends to make us stumble over ourselves and then try to figure out who we are. And then as we grow in the process, we get stuck in between the, are we code switching? Are we covering um, in order to get to our end goal, or are we also are we being our authentic selves in our in our um, in our colorness, in our blackness, in our you know person of color um, space? So that was one of the books that really hit me, um, and that one actually hit me a little later. That but it's the most impactful and influential one. I, I read that and then had the privilege of meeting Kenji um, when I was at Harvard, and that is that's one of my that's one of my strong books that I suggest people read. What did you say when you were aware? At Harvard. <laughs> okay. Um, I need so much more. I know the answer, but I need you to tell me. Uh, what what'd you do at Harvard? <laughs> um, whew, at Harvard, I was the um, assistant director of, of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, partnered with the admissions office, had an opportunity to really travel the world recruiting students to um, embark upon the Harvard journey, but not um, any student in particular, you know, underrepresented, underserved populations. So I spent my entire Harvard career convincing uh, underrepresented students that they deserve to be at a place like Harvard, um, because many of them didn't believe it. You'd be surprised the amount of conversations I had with students of color who were like, Harvard doesn't want anything to do with me. Um, and it was actually one of my lectures that I did when I was in Florida presenting was, um, I'm just a little brown girl, what would Harvard want with me? Um, mm. And that was one of, my, one of my presentations. And I talked all about what it meant to be a person of color dreaming as, about a place like this um, that they were not ever taught was a possibility um, and that they didn't believe was. So, so yeah, that, that was my journey. So I, I, loved, I loved my time there. Um, and you know that progressed into you know, all the amazing opportunities that God has lended me thus far. So nice. Um, that speech that you're talking about was it filmed? And can we find it anywhere? It was not filmed, um, so it's not. It is not somewhere. But um, but man, it was it was one of my favorites. That's for sure. So so um, you and I are slightly different because if I were you and I worked at Harvard, I would literally kick in every day I walked in and say, Harvard, bitch, and that's how I'd enter every room I come into. So is that how you do it? Or <laughs> just wondering. No, actually, the funny thing is, you can ask my mom, she'll attest to this if she's still watching. Um, I actually, it actually took people a lot of questions to figure out where I worked. Um, I would start, like, people would be like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm in higher education. And they're like, well, what do you do in higher education? Oh, I'm an assistant director of, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. Oh, where do you are? Oh, private college, um, private institution. Um, and then finally, people would be like, which private institution in Boston, right? And I'd be like, oh, Harvard Kennedy School, right? Like super, you know, nonchalant. Um, but yeah, I was super, super humble about it. Um, and I think, you know what it is, T, to be completely honest, once you're in the system in the space and people know that, they actually treat you differently. Like once you have that title behind you, it's like, oh, I want to talk to you. I want to know. I want to whatever. But I would do things like take my name tag off and walk around a room and see if anybody talked to me or was encouraged or wanted to engage with me at all. And it was not the same interaction. Oh, that's, uh, man, I would love to back to fly on the wall. I would love to be there to see that interaction and just see people's faces change when you put your name tag back on. They just, yeah. oh, it looks like she can offer me something. Now I guess I'll talk to her. Like, oh, yeah. no, super busy. Mind yeah, goes. I'd be in rooms where people like didn't know I was the person presenting. Like they'd go to like other people and be like, oh, are you representing the Harvard booth or whatever? And then I'd get up and present and they'd be like, 
Oh, <laughs> she's the one I get to talk to about it. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been there before. I've been at like open mic nights and they're just like, can I get a drink? So welcome <laughs> to so-and-so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that happens everywhere from bars up to um, Harvard. Good to know. Yep. <laughs> cool. There doesn't seem to be any systemic kind of problem here. Not at all. Nope. A-OK. -okay. Everything's Everything's fine. The world is on fire. We're going to die a slow, painful death. But there's hey. that cool over there. Let's go find that. It's fine. Uh, we talked about putting Kool-Aid in wine earlier, so we're good. Exactly. I'm going to try it, guys. I'm totally going to try it. You know I'm going to try it. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> How could you not? I didn't even think about that. How could you not put Kool-Aid in wine? Now that I say it out loud, it <laughs> so how far back did I set us? Like a lot or a little? A lot. A lot? All right. So we're going to skip that. We're just going to leave wine with the grapes. There we go. That's grapes. where it belongs. Grapes are great. Grapes are great. So if I could just learn when not to say shit, that'd be great. I'd be great. So <laughs> I don't think that's in your foreseeable future. So we'll I don't think so. No. Uh, so my last question, and then um, I will let you go because I know you have um, a whole life to do. And thank you so much for being with us tonight. Of course. Um, you do Zumba. Mm. Zumba is so much fun. Um, what is your go-to Zumba song? And have you ever taught Zumba and anyone pass out? Because I would be the first if you haven't. <sighs> Um, holy cow, have I ever had anyone? I gotta start with that question because that's funny. Um, I have not had anyone pass out, but actually as a disclaimer for my class, I actually tell everybody um, that they need to hydrate, take breaks when they need to, um, because they're not on my insurance. So if they pass out, I can't help them. Um, so that's usually always like my, my like super goofy disclaimer. Um, so I, I do that a lot. Uh, I'm also, you know, a fitness coach. So I think that's part of the conversation too. I'm like, don't pass out. You're not on my insurance. Um, <laughs> my go-to song is actually, um, it's it's by Jay Perry. It's Bougie. It's like one of my favorite like go-tos. It's super, it's super busy. Like it's a whole movement thing. There's like a lot going on. Um, a lot of like shaking and moving and abbing and all that type of stuff. So yeah. I have a very strong core workout as a part of my Zuka. So that's yeah, one of my favorite ones. So how did you, I'm so sorry, I know that was the last question, but I'm just so curious. Like, how did you get into Zumba? Like, why Zumba and not like kickboxing? Like, why why Zumba? So, to be honest, I had just had my first child and I was trying to figure out how I could do something fun that didn't remind me that I was working out. And Zumba was what it was. Like, I, you know, I was like, oh, I've got all this baby weight on me. Like, I really want to get fit, but like, I don't have the, I just didn't have like the, the desire to be like, let's just get on a treadmill and figure it out. Um, I wanted to be like whisked away. Like, I didn't want to think about the fact that I was actually working. Um, and so I fell in love with it from there, became an instructor. I've been instructing for about six, seven years now. And I, I love it. Like, it's just, it's super fun. Um, and I throw a whole core workout in there. So there's a lot of dancing, but like you don't realize that you're squatting because you're like the music is playing and your adrenaline's going. So like at any point in time, I'd ask somebody to do 40 squats right out the gate and they'd be like, oh, 40 squats. But then I play a song and we're in there going through the whole song and they squat the inside, like the Dale song, like Dale, that whole song yeah. is squat. People just be squatting the whole song, like not even thinking about it. 200 squats in that song, easy. <laughs> No. <laughs> one of these days, T. One of these days. Um, softball. I will play softball all day, every day. It's the only time I will actually run. But other than that, and Except listen, we're on cross country for pretty girls. <sighs> so dumb. Like my lung capacity, and I didn't even smoke back then. I was just like, is it me? I just <sighs> love is hard. Love is hard. Love is so much energy. Right? Damn. It's sucking the oxygen out of me. Just so much to, to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even end up talking to her. I was too shy. I was just like, hi. Ah. Nice. You lost all your oxygen. You didn't even get the prize. No, not at all. Not at all. No. 
Mm-hmm. That's my life. Anyway, so um, your mom, a.k.a. Kathy, said um, <laughs> that a.k.a. worked. Anyway, uh, she said, I'm proud of you both. <laughs> I've watched both of you grow so much. And I and I claim that speaker of yours. <laughs> LOL. Uh, love that top, Natara. Oh, your mom loves your top. Uh, yes, be the change, people. Don't yes. just, we'll just talk about it. That's the problem. Be right? It. Walk Especially. the walk. Stop exactly. talking. We've talked so, all our um, lives. <laughs> wait, say it again? We've talked all our lives. It's time to walk. <laughs> Word. Damn it, just write the book. Just write the book so I can read it and it be better. <laughs> Got you. That's it. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for staying with us this week. Uh, thank you, Natara Andrews Gray, for being with us tonight. Um, so I put her bio in um in the in the chat, um, in the promo, but I'll read it anyway because she's amazing. So Natara is the director of undergraduate admissions and diversity outreach at Eastern Nazarene College, and she has over 10 years of student affairs admission experience within the higher education system. What y'all know about that? What y'all know about that? Sister out here making moves, then. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Um, as always, remember that hurt people hurt people, so keep an eye on your pain. Stay safe. Godspeed. See you next week. Deuces, peeps. Bye, team. <laughs> Bye. Eat avocados.